Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Haven't seen the sky so blue. The birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, hey, hey. It's just a sunny day. It's the KSL Greenhouse. Expert tips for flowers, trees, gardens, and soil. Our hosts are Maria Chaleos and Ton Bettis on KSL News Radio. Good morning. It's going to be a sunny and hot day. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. We have a number of callers waiting on the lines, but the top of the hour feature, we wanted to talk about pollinator gardens. And they've not only become very popular because of the need for them, but they're very interesting to look at as well. Yes. I, growing up, it was a thing for, at least here in the West, for people when they garden, they would mix their flowers, like the peonies and the shasta daisies and daylilies, right into their vegetable garden and everything was grown together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they did it on purpose for the pollinators, but it provided a lot of very beneficial habitat to keep the garden well pollinated. And I've encouraged people to keep doing that. But the particular person we interviewed is named Mindy Wheeler, who works for USU, but she's based with the state DNR. And she's in charge of native plants, and she has obtained a grant that you can't apply for until next year that you can apply for native plants that are already sprouted and up that you can plant in your yard. And she's hoping that using the natives will especially be beneficial to native pollinators. And so I've started the interview at a little bit of interesting spot to try to get as much information as possible. But Mindy Wheeler is our person. Mindy Wheeler, I've been with USU for about seven years now. The title there is the Native Plant Conservation Project Leader, and I've been doing all things vegetation in terms of rare plants as well as native plants uh, since then. And more recently, I've sort of been drawn into the pollinator world, and it's just been a lot of fun because obviously pollinator depends, pollinators depend on plants. Pollinators are also pretty darn important for our food supply as well. These bugs do a lot for us, so we're trying to reciprocate in some shape or manner. There is a grant program going on right now. Can you tell us what the grant is, the name of it, and what the goals are? The name of the program is Utah Pollinator Habitat Program, and it started in 2021 from uh, the legislature wanted to start the program to benefit all pollinators. And so what we have been doing is grant program for which people can apply to receive pollinator kits. And these pollinator kits come in the form of actual live native plants. And so you can put in an application through our 
website. And if you just Google Utah Pollinator Habitat Program, you can learn some more. And tell us what your project is, where it's going to go, how many pollinator kits you would like. And we also have upland and wetland kits for different habitat types. And we go through the the ranking process. And I think we awarded habitat kits to 105 different folks last year. The deadline has already passed for applying this year, but this program is ongoing. Yes, we just did get some more money from the legislature to continue this program through at least through 2026. And we're hoping to get enough interest and demand for these pollinator kits that it will be an ongoing program. We will open up the application process again next May. The awardees get notified in August sometime and plants are distributed September or October and anyone in the state can apply for these pollinator kits. From my understanding, you're really trying to get word out to areas that people did not submit a lot of applications in the last round. Since most of us uh, in the program live either on the Wasatch Front or in Logan, we did get a lot of applications in Cedar City and St. George and Moab this year, but we would really like to increase the pollinator kit distribution to the rest of the state as well. I made a mistake thinking that this were, the kits had seeds, but you're actually giving out life plans. The hope is that we can follow and see how these plants do in landscapes and thus try to figure out which, which of these native plants are winners, which ones may not do quite as well. And so we're We're asking people to report on what survives and what they really enjoy and maybe something that didn't do quite as well and we can learn why. We're hoping to use the information that we get from these pollinator kits that we distribute and hone them going forward. Not only is this available to homeowners, but I think you mentioned yesterday that it was available to farms. Yes, exactly. And any any working lands as well, it is definitely available. And we would love to get more interest there as well. I think there's a lot of corners. And maybe the pivot irrigation doesn't quite get it. And maybe you can put in some native seeds or flowers in there, increase the habitat for the pollinators around the edges of fields or something of that nature. And so is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to talk about? If people are interested in what we're doing, we're go ahead and take a look at our website, the Utah Pollinator Habitat Program, and there's a bunch of information on the plants that we're going to be handing out and peruse through there, and you can our contact information is up there as well. We greatly appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I look forward to speaking again next spring. Great to hear about this pollinator program, and we've put up on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page a plant list. So if you were wanting to plant some pollinators, uh, we have a list for you there. There is a list, and now this isn't the same list. It's one that our uh, some of our biologists put together, but it does give you a lot of plants that attracts pollinators into your garden that are fairly available. And my thoughts on this particular grant program, if you're going to do flip your, or yeah, flip your strip or 
the local scapes, it would be a great opportunity to try to dovetail these together. I don't know if the timing would work out, but I, it's very important that we protect these pollinators because people always ask, why aren't my squash producing? Well, maybe part of the reason. So just I encourage people to look at this and let's do what we can to save our pollinators. Absolutely. All right. This hour of the greenhouse is sponsored by At Your Service Pros, and the owner Jared Corcoran is with us now live. Thanks, Jared, for being with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. You have a great deal right now on tune-ups. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So one of the most important things is to make sure your equipment's actually maintained. So right now we are doing a air conditioner, or if you want to get ahead of the cooling season or the heating season, a furnace tune-up for $49. Okay, let's talk about maintenance. How often should we be changing our filters? So it depends on what type of filter you have. This time of year in particular, when the temperatures are getting above 95 degrees, you need to make sure if you have a one-inch filter that you are changing it at least once a month. Because even though that filter from Home Depot or wherever you got it says it can be up to 90 days or up to 120 days, it means when your system's basically not running. So you need to be changing that filter every month during this time of year. Now, um, all of the installs that we do have a at least a four-inch filter on them, and those need to be changed every six months. So do make sure that you have even changed those in the last six months as well. Okay. When do we need to like clean the condenser on the outside of the house? So this is something that's coming up a lot because there's a lot of people who are wondering why their air conditioner isn't keeping temperature in the middle of the day. It's climbing up to 78 or 80 degrees. And a lot of the times it's just because their outdoor unit is dirty. And so like I live in a neighborhood with ironically lots of pollinating trees and lots of cottonwoods. So I actually have to clean my condenser about three times during the summer because there is so much in the air that gets pulled into my air conditioner. And then mine is a heat pump, which is the system that has rebates on it. So you even want to make sure you are cleaning it about this time of year so that it is going to be clean going into the heating season as well. All right. We're going to be talking with you throughout the hour, but I want to make sure that people know how to take advantage of this great deal you have right now. How do they do that? So the easiest way is just call into our office. You can reach us at 801 Year Pro. It's just 801 Year Pro. All right, Jared, we'll be talking again with you in just a couple of minutes. Thanks. And, and uh, for our listeners, we have a number of people on the lines right now. We're going to get to your calls coming up next. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said... You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning, taking your calls and questions. We need to go back to our phone lines. Phone lines are very busy this morning. Chris is in South Weber. Good morning, Chris. What was your question? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have an issue with my my lawn. Uh, the lawn is five years old. And last year, of course, was just a brutal summer. And with the spring we had, it started to come back. It was looking pretty good. But then it started to warm up again, and it looks as bad, if not worse, than last year. And I have fertilized it. I have put down soil amendments. I put down some fungicide because I believe that's really what's going on with it. And um, I have a lot of park strip and a big area in my backyard. Now, my house is south-facing, and I live on a corner. And the west side of the house is opened to the entire to the entire street. And I have a large area in my backyard, which is the north side of the house. Um, but it's there's a lot of thatch in it. And I'm just wondering if I should or should not dethatch the lawn to get that thatch out. Because I don't think the water is getting where it needs to go. So let me ask this. Are you in the part of South Weber that has really sandy soil? Um, I'm going to say no. You know where the big um, water tank is on the hill on 89? Yeah. So I am about a mile and a half or so north of that, just on the west side of Highway 89. Okay. So if you dug a hole in your soil and, say, a foot deep and filled it with water, how long would it take for the water to drain away? I That I don't know. I could try it, but... In- well, the reason I'm asking is I was trying to get a better idea of your soil and the drainage properties, but I have you tried pulling the dead grass out to see if it comes up without roots? You know, I I, I did after researching on the Internet about... Every, since I've tried everything, um, and 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 it recommended that I that I do that when I was looking at the fungus. So I did go out and I got look. I got right down on my hands and knees and was looking at the blades of grass and grabbing a hold of it and tugging on it and whatnot. Okay. Um, and it didn't come up. Okay, good. So the next step, if I would have you send right on the border between the green and the dead, a sample up to the USU Pest Lab. Um, If you just do an internet search of USU Pest Lab sample submission, and they can look for a fungus for you and see if there's any sign in there. And it may save you quite a bit of money because they could save you having to buy bag after bag of $30 fungicides for your lawn. So I would do that in addition, and we'll get to the thatch. I'm just trying to go through a step-by-step to try to figure out what's going on with the lawn. Yeah, okay. Next thing I would try is getting a long screwdriver with about a foot um, shaft on it. And after you have irrigated the next morning or, you know, after several hours, go out to those 
wet spot or the, the dead spots and try to stick that screwdriver into the lawn. Now, is your soil rocky? I'm going to say no. Okay. Um, That's, uh, now, now, we we did plant some bushes of some sort down, uh, down the west side of the house. And in the process of doing that, I did come across clay. Okay. That's fine. Um, but stick that screwdriver in to make sure that it's not irrigation because that screwdriver will penetrate into the soil very easily if there's moisture in there. And it'll okay. stop where it drives out and it should go in at least six inches deep. And that will okay. tell you if you maybe need to rework the sprinkling system or for some reason those areas aren't getting enough water. Now to the thatch. I have take a shovel shovel and split the lawn open, just kind of stick it in there and wiggle the shovel back and forth. If you okay. have more than a half inch of thatch, then you may be justified, but I would wait until either fall or spring. Okay. All right. That sounds like a plan. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Oh, I, you know what? I have another question. Oh, we're getting just short on this. time, so really quick. Okay. So like the last three years, I have been getting this little, it looks like grass when it's just short, but if I let it get tall and it'll get tall, it's not grass, but it has a white stripe right up the blade. It looks like a blade of blades of grass, but do you, can you, by chance, does it what, get what a flower? That? It does not flower. It could be a sedge which would indicate maybe a little too much water. What I'll have you do is take some pictures of it. And when you're in North Ogden near the fairgrounds, take some samples into the extension office at the fairgrounds and they can look at it and probably identify it for you. Okay. Chris, thanks so much for your call this morning. Let's take another call from Sherry, who is in Ogden. Good morning, Sherry. What was your question? Good morning, um, I planted carrot seeds in a planter box, in my garden box, and the greens came up, and they are still about not even an inch tall. Green, they're, they're not dying, but they are doing anything, and that's been, I planted with all my other, my zucchini and everything else early in the summer. Thoughts? Well, it could be that they're maybe a little too wet for some reason, or if the soil is a little bit salty from compost or excessive fertilizer, that could also stunt them a little bit. And the heat would also do it. Carrots like it to be under 80 degrees. And if they're they're just, yeah, and if they're way too hot, they're probably just kind of languishing there. And that could also be a reason that they are not growing. Okay, this is the first year I we built a box. It's actually metal, which is in this heat, not probably smart. Um, and because my tomatoes never really ripen most years until the frost comes, you know, and because of my garden spot. And so I thought if I could get them up, off out of the ground, in a sense, um, it would warm up the soil faster. Is that just not a good idea with the heats we're going no, to be continue to have? It's fine. It's just that carrots are more of a crop that prefers cooler weather to where the tomatoes are going to be more heat tolerant. And one thing you might look at in the future 
is getting a shade structure to put over the top of your box so that it can make it a little bit cooler so it'll help improve the tomatoes and carrots. All right. Thank you for your call this morning. Our next listener, Ton, is Jason in American Fork, and he wants to know if he says he has a northern red oak tree that turned yellow, the leaves falling off. He waters it. He gave it iron. He's wondering if what else, I mean, what the problem might be and what else he could do. At this point, I would have him call a gentleman named Doug Hume, H-U-M-E, at J&J Nursery. He's a friend, and he's been dealing with this same thing, and he's found something a little bit different than just dumping the iron into the soil that has been working, Mm. but it requires a little bit more attention to detail in the spring. And he's using a silicon a silicon surfactant to penetrate the bark and then has a special iron product he is, but Doug Hume at J&J Nursery. Okay, and this hour of the greenhouse is sponsored by At Your Service Pros. The owner, Jared, Jared Corcoran, is with us. Uh, Jared, good morning. It's so hot. People are wondering, hey, what should we be setting our thermostat at? So that's a fun question because a lot of people are still attempting to do a setback during the day. And then they're getting home from work and they're wondering why their house is still 80 degrees and it hasn't cooled back down. What most people need to understand is your air conditioner was either designed for about a 20, 25 degree temperature difference. So if it's 100 degrees outside, you're only going to get it down to 75 degrees unless it already started at a temperature below that earlier in the day. Hmm. And so if you're setting it back too far during the day, your house can't actually make up that difference when the temperatures are this hot, and other than one or two days next week, we're going to stay close to the hundreds for another two weeks. So what's the number one reason that people are calling you? So the single biggest reason is dirt. Um, Even though it's funny, like my technicians will joke that sometimes we're a professional cleaning service because people either aren't cleaning their outdoor condensers or paying someone to come out and do a tune-up like what we're doing for $49 right now or they're not changing their filters, or some of the filters like the non-pleated ones that you can get from the grocery store or from Home Depot. If you've ever looked at them, you can actually just take and pour some salt or sugar right on them and it'll go right through it. So all the dirt that's getting through your filter ends up getting stuck on your blower motor or on your coil and it causes you to lose efficiency, capacity, causes you higher utility bills, And so the single biggest thing is make sure you are maintaining your heating and cooling system. So why does it seem like HVAC repairs have gotten so expensive? So this has multiple different reasons. We kind of covered this a couple weeks ago, but some of the uh, companies that are in Utah have been purchased by out-of-state entities and have become conglomerates, which has caused their prices to skyrocket. I mean, it was funny because one of the DJs from one of your sister stations He called in for his mom and she had had a bid to replace a motor on her furnace and she had a bid to replace her furnace. So he called us out after hearing one of our ads on KSL. And it was funny because when I got done helping her, uh, she had been quoted over $5,000 just to replace the motor in her 20 year old high efficiency furnace. And we did her entire furnace for almost the exact same dollar amount. For what she had been quoted to repair it. All right. Now, right now you are offering a $49 tune-up on your AC or your furnace. How do people get a hold of you? Easiest way is just call into the office at 801-YEAR-PRO. We will answer pretty much all day long. All right. We'll talk to you again in a few minutes. Thanks, Jared. And we'll be back with your phone calls following the news. 
It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.